0: One of the coolest things coming up in the Compass 2020 plan for me is the fact that our office buildings are moving from that building that's right over there that you know to the building across the street, the 145 building. And they've been working on that building for like a year now, and we hear that in the next couple months, we should be moving over there. And that's exciting for me, but there have been a few things that I haven't done in my office on purpose. Um, I have a clock that looks like a scoreboard, and it has this this cord that just kind of s- like sags down, and it just sits there, and it looks super ugly on the back of my wall, but it doesn't matter because nobody sees it but me, but I've kept looking at that thing saying, I'm going to fix that. I'm going to fix that. Also, for Christmas, um, Pastor PJ got me these smart plugs where I could plug my lamps into these little things or like made through Amazon and stuff so I could talk to an Alexa in my room and in my office and say, hey, turn all the lights on because right now if you've ever been in my office, it's like a cave. Okay? It's got no windows except for like the window that's kind of leading to the hallway with all the fluorescent lights. So what I do is kind of weird. I turn all the fluorescent lights off and I have like four lamps in the room shooting all over the place. It's super weird. Now that I'm describing it, I live in this like cave thing, but I haven't done all the things I want to do with my office because I know that in a couple months I'm getting a new office. And frankly, I don't know which one it's going to be, but I heard that there's two options for me. Okay. This is really exciting. One option has a big window on the side that faces outside. So natural light, I don't even know what that is, but there's going to be a natural light, right? And the other one has two sides that are facing outside. Even more natural light. So I'm just thinking, okay, I can get rid of all these weird lamps and I, my whole light problem in my office will be gone. But there's things I haven't done that would make my office a little bit better right now. I haven't done them because I'm like, you know what? I'm focused on the next office. Because I'm going to be in this office for a couple weeks, maybe a couple months, but I'm going to be in the next office for hopefully a couple years, a few years. That idea of focusing on the next experience. And not on this short-term experience is what Paul's going to tell us in Philippians chapter 3. He's going to say your focus needs to be somewhere else. Because the time you're going to have there and the time you will spend there is much more and much better. So I want you all to turn in your Bibles to Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3. We've been going through this book. We're making it to the end of the third chapter. We're actually starting the fourth chapter today finishing this series called Are We There Yet? Talking about the time between when people become Christians and they get to be with Christ in heaven forever. What do we do in the time in between? And what we're going to find out today is your focus needs to be on your future perfect home, not on the home we have now. Last week in verse 17, 18, 19, Paul said, there's people that you shouldn't set your mind on. There's people that you shouldn't follow. Last week, we gave two points. The first one was you should find and follow the godly influencers in your life. And Paul said, I'm one of those people. And he said, there's other people in the church that are like that too, so you should follow their example. And then in verses 18 and 19, he said, but there's this other group of people that you're going to face every day. You're going to encounter them. You're going to talk to them. You're going to hear from them in the world. And they're sinful influencers. Their mind is set on (laughs) earthly things. The Bible says their end is destruction here in verse 19. They, their God is their belly. They just do whatever they want to do. He says, don't focus on those people. Focus on those people who are doing the godly thing. And he gives the reason why in our passage. So please look down at verse 20. I want us to all read this together and see what it says. It says, but our citizenship is in heaven. Okay? He says, the verse before, these people that you're not supposed to follow, one of the reasons you shouldn't follow them is because their minds are set on earthly things. All they're concerned about is this life. Their popularity here. Their stuff that they can get here. Their success that they can have now. That's their focus. And he says, but really your focus should be different because where you belong is different. Our citizenship. You guys are all, um, if you were born here, or if your parents are citizens here, you are a citizen here. Um, I've never, when I was your age, I'd never been out of the country. Always been in America. I'd never gone out of the country. I went out of the country when I was about your age for the first time, went to like Israel and it was awesome. And I went to England a couple years later and France a couple years after that, but I never left my home country. He's saying something weird in this passage. He's saying, Christians, your citizenship, where you belong, is a place that you've never been to, right? That doesn't make much sense for us, right? How can you be a citizen of a place you've never been? Well, you got to remember who he's talking to. Who is Paul talking to? He's talking to the Philippians, right? Philippi was this important city that had citizens of Rome and many of which had never been to Rome. It was actually a great example that Paul was using because there were people who were citizens that he's talking to right here that are having this read or led to them, that are Christians in the city of Philippi, this really important patriotic city in Rome who had never been to their capital city says, you're citizens of heaven. Just like you're a citizen of a city that you've never been to, Rome, we, Christians, are citizens of a place we've never been to. Keep reading. It says, and from it, from heaven, we await a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. What he's saying there is, Our citizenship is in heaven. And one of the reasons we focus on heaven is because Jesus is in heaven. He's coming back from heaven to this earth. And what he's gonna do is make your body better, right? That sounds weird. It's like, is he a fitness plan, right? Is he the keto diet, right? Is he gonna make your body better? Like, no, that's not what he's doing, right? He's gonna come and change everything about who you are, right? He's gonna change your body. He's gonna make you live in a perfect body in a perfect world, And that's why he says our citizenship is in a place that's not here, and he's going to remake us. So we should be excited about that. Then he goes to chapter 4. But notice, maybe in your Bibles, there's not a, so much of a paragraph break. Because really, we think that this section is related to the section we just listened to. So look at verse 1 of chapter 4. It's Philippians 4.1. It says, therefore, because of all that, because our citizenship is in heaven, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm. That's the, that's the command there. So stand firm. Not just stand firm in what you've heard. Stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. That just means people that I love. He's repeating what he said earlier. He says stand firm. Be people who persevere. You need to endure in what you heard. You need to live that out in the way that you act. All of this is trying to say is that you, if you're a Christian, you need to focus more and you need to care more about your future home than you do about this home that you have right now. And when I say home, I don't just mean building or house or apartment or whatever you live. This home is in the world. What you need to do if you're a Christian is care more about heaven and your experience with Christ in the new heavens and new earth than you care about your time here in junior high, your fitting in at school, your things that you can experience that are great on this, this planet. He says you need to focus more on that next life. And the way that you live now you need to stand firm. You need to live like you're a citizen of heaven too. So I want to look at verse 20 again because it says something radical. It says your citizenship is in heaven. This is only true for real Christians, okay? And I know I say that about a lot of things, but I want you to realize that this, all, all three of these verses that we're covering, all every last one of them, really only apply to a person who trusts in Jesus Christ. Your citizenship is in heaven if you trust in Christ. If you're a Christian, if you're a saved person, your citizenship, where you belong, the place that you were made for, is not here. If you're a Christian, point number one is really for you. Accept that this world is not your home. Accept that this world is not your home. The reason you have to accept that, and that's not obvious, is because for many of us, our lives are fine. If I said, hey, if you rather be in heaven right now, or would you rather live a full life then go to heaven? What would it be? Most of you would say, well, I want to go to heaven one day, but there's a lot of cool stuff in high school that I'd love to do. So like, you know, if Jesus is coming back, can he just wait till I'm done with high school or done with college? Or once I, you know, married or have kids, can, can he wait till then? Right? That's how a lot of people think. But when he says our citizenship is in heaven and we have to accept that the world is not our home, you need to think like Paul thought. Do you remember what he said in the first chapter? Right? Turn back to the first chapter real fast. Philippians 1. He says in verse 21, that really famous verse, he says, For me, to live is Christ, and to die would be totally tragic, and I would hate it. Right? Is that what he says? What does he say? To live is Christ, and to die is what? Gain. It's better. Right? Is Paul like, want to die? Right? He does he just not want to live in this, this earth? He says, no, if I live, it's going to be great because I'll do awesome things and I'll be with you and I'll support the Philippians and I'll keep preaching. And it's going to be awesome. But my desire, verse 23, is to depart and be with the Lord for that is far better. He says to be with Jesus Christ is so much better than to live on this earth. I want you to think this through. Do you really believe that? Do you really believe that? Or do you know that, like, in your head, like, yeah, I know it's true, like, it's, I guess it's going to be better, but, like, I really like my life here. I really like my friend group here. I really like my church here. I really like my small group. I really like the sport I'm in. Like, I like this stuff so much. I would rather, I'd rather stay. That mindset of wanting to stay, sadly, is a mindset that those people, he says, don't follow. That's the mindset they have. Their minds are set on earthly things, right? That's why you got to embrace that the world's not your home. You ever do Puzzles? ever do puzzles? My dad got into puzzles recently. Um, if you follow him on Instagram, you've seen that. Um, he has puzzles all the time and he got these wood puzzles from this family at our church. They bought him this wood puzzle, which sounds weird, but you know how puzzles are usually just made out of like cardboard, right? Just like stamped. Right? These are like wood and they're like carved out. So like th- whoever made this you know, wood puzzle, basically took a pattern, took a big wood block, and then just like did it. But these pieces are really nice. But here's the, here's the deal. You can't like press these pieces into each other and just make them fit. You know how you try to do that when you're doing a puzzle? It's like, it doesn't really fit, but if I smash it really hard, like it might fit. You know what I'm talking about? You've done that before. You're guilty, right? I'm the guy, by the way, who I finish every puzzle. You know why? I just keep that one piece, I put it in my pocket, and then I wait until everybody's like, where's that puzzle? And then I come in and I'm the savior and I put it in. Um, super, super lame. Everybody in my family hates the fact that I do that. Um, <laughs> but I come in because I got the right puzzle piece, right? It fits just perfect, right? That feeling of, oh, it, just, it fits just right, right? When you live in this world, if you're a Christian, you're gonna feel like, man, it just doesn't fit right. Like, yeah, sometimes they're better than others, but then it just kind of feels like I'm trying to squeeze puzzle pieces that don't fit together, right? I... I I'm trying to do what God wants, but the world doesn't like it. It's just, it's not really fitting. I don't really fit in in this world. You shouldn't, right? Because you're made differently. But what this says is your citizenship is in heaven, which means if you're a Christian, you should not fit in perfectly with the world. You shouldn't because you were made for somewhere else. Even if you feel like you fit in and everything's great, but then someone gets sick or a grandparent dies or drama or problems with, your friend groups arise. It's like, well, yeah, you don't, because this, this world's not perfect, and you're not perfect, and you don't fit in. Right? But one day, you'll be in a place where you and the place and everyone else fits together like a perfect puzzle. That's what it means for you to focus on heaven, to realize that one day it's going to be like that. What if I told you tragic news? I found out, your parents came and told me that you are moving to England. Tragic news, right? How many of you would want to move to England? Anybody, anybody? Okay, some people, right? No judgment, but whatever. Um, I like America better, right? <laughs> Imagine your parents came up to me and said, oh yeah, I got, I got this new job, and oh, I gotta move, we gotta move to England, I gotta tell my kids. Like, okay, yeah, that's bummer, but okay, fine. You gotta go to England, right? And your dad, your mom come to you and say, yeah, we're moving to England. But we're not moving to London, we're, we're, not, we're moving to the countryside. Um, we bought a farm, <laughs> and you're going to be homeschooled, <laughs> All right, oh, some of you are like, yes. Um, that'd be kind of freaky. And they said, you know what, that's where you belong, and that's where this is going to be, and we're going to be happy there. And you're like, okay, that seems kind of odd, but whatever, I guess so. Every year, you've been saving up your dollars and cents, right? Every year, no, some people are like, no, I spend it all. Um, (laughs) You've got got your wad of cash. Every junior high student kind of has their little stash, right, because you don't ever really, like, you don't use it that much, right? All of us adults, it's just like, you know, sand coming through our fingers. It comes in and just goes right out, because you gotta spend it on stuff. But I know what, you know what it feels like to just kind of like have it and just kind of, it's a build a little bit, you know? Yeah, anyway, it's been a while for me since I've lived that way. saving, Um, but you've got your dollars and cents. What if I told you that when you got to England, you could not transfer any of the money over to be pounds and pence. You couldn't do any of it, You could only transfer it here. You could transfer it, but you could transfer it here. How much would you want to transfer? All of it, it, right? That's a good idea. Good answer. All of it. You want to transfer as much of it as you possibly can. You know, the Bible says that you can do that with your next life, that you could transfer the stuff you have now and the way that you live, you can store up, Jesus says, treasure in heaven. That you're going somewhere that you've never been before and you're gonna live there forever and it's gonna be better than here. But the currency that you have, the stuff that you have, right? Is different. You can't take anything you got with you, but the Bible says you can store up treasure in heaven. Right? Jesus said that in Matthew 6, in Matthew 6:19. Jesus says, "Do not lay up for yourselves treasures that are on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal." Okay. So, you might be like, "Well, never had a cashmere sweater. Anybody ever had a cashmere sweater?" Yeah, cashmere. Darcy, you and me. I got a, I got a cashmere sweater. Um, Moths eat cashmere, right? And they come out of nowhere and they just like eat it up. And you got holes. Everybody had a sweater with a, with a hole in it? Yeah, sorry, I know. We, we, we live in Elisa Viejo. How do we, we don't have sweaters, right? Um, but they get eaten by moths, right? That happened all the time back then. When Jesus was writing, when he was talking, like people had their favorite shirt and their favorite, and their, maybe their only cloak. And what happens? They put it in the closet and what happens? Moths eat it up. Could you imagine if your favorite pair of jeans got eaten up by moths, you have to keep getting new ones, that would stink, right? Where rust destroys, right? Back then, a lot of stuff that was metal, just rusted, doesn't work as well as it used to. Thieves break in and steal, right? People can steal it. That's what everything in this world is like. It's like, it's like your iPhone 4. Right? It's like your iPhone 4. That was my first iPhone, Back in the day, my first iPhone, I had other like, non-iPhones before then. Um, I am that old, just trust me. There were non-iPhones uh, back then. But I couldn't use that anymore because the updates and the apps and I couldn't download anything, be too slow, run on 3G. It's like, what's 3G? Like, I don't know. Right. Back then, back then it worked, right? But now it's outdated. It doesn't work anymore. And that was only like 10 years ago. Here's the deal. Everything that you have... Everything that you care about on this planet, that's material, that's stuff, right? All your stuff, your popularity, your success, all of it will one day go away. But Jesus says, you can lay out for yourselves treasures in heaven. He goes on. He says, lay out for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust can't destroy it, where thieves can't break in and steal it. Then it says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where your treasure is, your heart will be also. Jesus cares about what your treasure is, and there's a way to do that. Colossians chapter three says that you're called to set your minds on heavenly things, not on earthly things, And when you set your mind on heavenly things, you start doing things that are different from people who set their mind on earthly things, right? And when I say that, it's like everybody sets their mind on earthly things, right? Is John saying, okay, set your mind on heavenly things, not on earthly things, great, because I have a test this week Right? So I'm not going to set my mind on earthly things so I won't read the book and I won't study and I won't take the test because Pastor John said, hey, set your mind on heavenly things. Right? No, that's not what I'm trying to say. But what I am trying to say is there are things you can do this week where you can store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust don't destroy, where thieves don't break in and steal. What do you think about some things that are eternal? Things that will matter in 100 years. Right? What you know about God will matter in 100 years, won't it? Right? that will not be something that goes away or fades, right? What you know about God, you could spend time this week learning more about God and his word and that would be something that would carry on into the next life. Obeying God, doing what he says. Living a life that's pleasing to him. Living a holy life if you're a Christian. That can be pleasing to God. That's something that's gonna matter in 100 years. Even talking to God, knowing God better. Not just knowing who he is, but knowing him personally by praying, by talking to him. By confessing your sin to him. Serving God's people. Right? Jesus said in Matthew 25 that, you know, you, you serve God's people, you're serving Christ. He said to a group of people, it's like, you visited me when I was in jail. You gave me water when I was thirsty. And those people are like, what do you mean, Jesus? We didn't do any of that to you. He says, yeah, but you did it to my people. And when you did it to my people, you did it to me. And he, and he rewards them. If you serve God's people this week, that's something that's eternal. Even your relationships. Building relationships with other Christians. Have you thought about the fact that any Christian you know, you're going to know them in one million years? You will know them in a million years. In a billion years, you will know their name. You will still know about them. You'll know a lot more about them. You'll have a lot more experiences with them. But every real Christian, you will know forever. Forever. That's an amazing thought. And if you build your relationships with those people now, you start that now, that's something that will matter in a hundred years, in a thousand years, in a million years. Another thing, if we think about heaven, right? heaven is not for everyone, right? That's the sad reality. The Bible says that not everyone's gonna go to heaven. Right? But there are people, as Romans 10 says, who how are they gonna know about God unless someone tells them about the, the way, the truth, and life about Jesus Christ? Right? That's something that you could do this week that would be huge. You could tell someone about the gospel, you could tell someone about what Jesus did. That is something that would be a huge effect for all of eternity. In fact, Paul says about the Thessalonians and about the Philippians here, he says, you guys are my joy and my crown. Right. In, in the book of 1 Thessalonians, he says, you're like my reward. Like on the last day when everything's said and done, like you guys are my reward. Why? Because I came in, I preached the gospel to you, you're saved and you love God, and that's, that's the, my reward. The fact that you guys love God. All right. That's an eternal thing. There's a lot of things that you could do this week. Set your mind on eternal things, not just on earthly things. I know we have to set our minds on earthly things to do things like school, like your chores. I know there's things like that that you have to do, but you have to set your mind on heavenly things most of all. Back in Philippians 3, if you're in Philippians 1, just turn to the right. Philippians 3, 20, our citizenship is in heaven. We talked about that. The world is not our home. And from heaven, we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. How eagerly are you, as this word says, awaiting him? How much do you really want him to come back? Because when he comes back, he's gonna interrupt a lot of things. He's gonna interrupt your sports season. He's gonna interrupt the grade that you're in. He's gonna come back and he's he's gonna interrupt some things. Think that through. Do you want that to happen? Like, do you really want that to happen? What Paul says is, I want that to happen so badly. I just want him to come in and interrupt everything. You only really want that, you will only really want that if you see that that is going to be better than whatever's going on right here. You'll only want that if you understand that. One of the things he says is Jesus is going to come back and he's a savior. We've talked about this before that in Philippians 3, Paul says Jesus came to save us from our sins, right? That he can save you right now. He can save you today if you trust in Jesus, like some of you, you need to do. Some of you have not trusted in Jesus. He can save you. He can forgive every sin you've ever done, every sin you'll ever commit in the future. He'll pay for all of that, and he'll, he'll, he'll treat you like you're a righteous, forgiven person, right? We've talked about that. But another thing, right, another thing that Jesus is gonna do for his people is he's gonna come back and he's gonna give us brand new, perfect bodies. That's what he says here in verse 21. He says he's gonna transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body. Lowly means uh, poor, common, you know, unattractive. Glorious means beautiful, strong. You're like, wait a minute, hold on. Stop, stop this, okay? You're insulting me, right? You just said I'm ugly and weak and, uh, well, I didn't say it. It's like, it says it, it, says it about me too, right? That, that, that Jesus is gonna come back. He's gonna take the body you're in right now. He's gonna remake it and it's gonna be so much better. It'll be like his glorious body. He's gonna do that by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. So Jesus has all this power. And in Matthew 28, do you remember that before he he gave that great commission, he said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Right? You remember that? That's, if you've ever thought that through, that's kind of weird. Because it's like, okay, if you have all that power, why is all this bad stuff still happening in the world? Why don't you like start using that power you have? Right? Revelation 11:15 15 says he'll take that power and he'll start to use it. And he'll be in charge, in charge. Not just like, oh, I'm in charge, but I'm gonna come back and then I'll rule the world. But no, I'll physically be there ruling the world. Every policy, every cell, everything will be exactly the way it should be. That's what's gonna happen one day. And he says he's able to do that by his power. If you're gonna focus on your new home, right, there's something else about your new home that you should know. You will be different in your new home, and that should be an exciting thing. Point number two, I want you to write this down. Anticipate a perfect body in a perfect world. Anticipate a perfect body in a perfect world. People have talked about it and written books about it and made movies about living forever in our world right now. There's a movie I remember I saw a while back where a lady lived forever in this world, and it was actually a bad thing. Because the people she liked would eventually grow old and die, and she like, was left there, and you know she kept living on, but everybody else around her got old and died. It would not be a good thing to live in a perfect body in this imperfect world, but there's something interesting that Paul says this will be a perfect body in a perfect world. I want you to turn to a passage. I want everybody to turn to this passage. First Corinthians 15: Paul describes what our new bodies are going to be like. It's one thing to say, "Hey, we're going to Disneyland. It's another thing to look at the attractions, look at the rides and say, this is what it's going to be like though. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. If you were in Philippians, it's going to be to the left in your Bibles. 1 Corinthians 15. Yeah, maybe 25 pages or so. 1 Corinthians 15, Paul is answering some questions. Some people in that church were saying, I don't really think that we're going to have new bodies. In fact, I think that what's going to happen for eternity is we're going to live in this spirit realm. We're going to sit on a cloud. We're going to hang out with a bunch of little fat Cupid babies. We're going to learn how to play harp. We're all going to be really good at it. And in a million years, we'll really get this jam session going, right? Well, they weren't exactly saying that, but that was basically the idea that we're going to live as spirit beings forever and we're not going to live in bodies because they thought, well, bodies equals bad, right? Physical stuff is bad. Spirit's good, right? Paul says, check out verse 25. Or verse 35, I'm sorry. Verse 35. He says, but someone will ask, how are the dead raised? And what kind of body do they come? Right? You're thinking, okay, that's a pretty good question. Look what Paul says. You foolish person. Right? What if you ask me a question about heaven and, uh, and every time you ask me a question about heaven, I'd say, you foolish person. How dare you ask that? Right? Obviously, he's not like, He's not angry at them for asking a question about the next life. He's angry at them questioning whether or not we will live a full physical next life. A lot of these people doubted that. And he says, that's foolish to doubt that. You've got to understand something. Verse 36, he says, you foolish person. What you sow does not come to life unless it dies. Okay? I know we don't farm very much, but the f- if you knew about farming, this would be helpful. Okay? He's going to talk about a kernel and grain a bear kernel, or wheat and grain. He's going to give this analogy. Let me just give you a simplified version of what he's about to say. If you're going to plant, uh, let's say, uh, let's say like an like apple tree, or an avocado tree, or a peach tree, or whatever, right? right peach and avocado or somewhere. They got those big pit right in the middle. Right. What do you have to do in order to plant that tree? You have to take the fruit and kill it. You probably don't think about that when you're eating an apple, like I'm killing this poor little apple, right? Right. Well, uh, yeah, you are, right? You're you're taking it and you're eating it. You're killing it, right? And what he says is, don't you know that if you're going to like plant something, you have to take something that's dead, a seed, right? Which is not totally dead, but you have to, you know, kill the fruit, so to speak, put it in the ground and then watch it grow and then feed it and watch it grow. It's the same idea. He says, we're not going to get these brand new bodies unless we die, unless these bodies go away because these bodies are imperfect, Right? These bodies got to do a start over. They got to do a restart. Check out verse 39. Or verse 38. It says, But God gives a body as he's chosen, to each kind of seed its own body, for not all flesh are the same. But there is one kind for humans, another kind for animals, another kind for birds, and, and there's another kind for fish. Right. But there are heavenly bodies and earthly bodies, right? The glory of one body is of one kind and the glory of an earthly is of another kind, obviously, right? You've got your earthly body, it's gonna look one way. Your heavenly body, it's gonna look a little different. It's gonna act a little differently. Verse 41 says there's one glory of the sun and another glory of the moon, right? If you went outside today and stared at the sun for three hours, right? You'd be in trouble, right? If you went outside tonight, and stared at the moon, even through a telescope for three hours, you'd probably be okay, right? Because one's glory is different than the other, right? And in that sense, glory means brightness, right? One is brighter than the other, right? That's what he's saying about these new bodies. Look at verse 42. So it is with the resurrection of the dead. What is sown Is perishable right what you put in the ground is perishable what is raised is imperishable now he's talking about our bodies he's saying your body right now that you're in is perishable you're like a banana you're like a banana not saying you look like a banana but you are like a banana right some of you are you know turning green and then turning yellow then brown no you're 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 fine unless you get really tan then maybe a little bit but um, you're like a banana why I say that is you're perishable Right. That's what I don't like about bananas. I love bananas, by the way. I think they're really good. They, they taste good. They're kind of weird texture, but whatever. Um, but they're like a superfood, right? Like you eat it and you like feel great. Your joints feel good, right? I'm talking like an old man. Um, Avocado. Yeah, avocados are good too. Anyway, how good are bananas good for? Like a week max, right? Maybe a week, a couple days maybe? use it. Yeah. Well, the, the justice house uses the refrigerator, but then it's good for a couple of months. But after a couple of months, guess what happens? It gets brown and dies. Let's say you leave it out on the counter. Right, let's go with that. That's how, that's how normal people eat their bananas, Ryan. We just leave it out on the counter. What do you do? Put it in the fridge, man. It's not frozen bananas. We got Disneyland, man. Come on. Um, but you got here, yeah, whatever. Let's just say the bananas on the counter, right? It's only going to last a little bit. Then it's going to Grow old, it's going to look wrinkly, it's going to become like mushy and die, right? It's kind of like you, right? You start out, right? You are the way you are, and you get a little wrinkly, a little mushy, and then you die, right? It's kind of how it works. Hate to break it to you. He says, what's raised is imperishable. Your new body is not going to be like that at all. Your new body is not going to look like it's getting older, have you noticed that everything in this world goes from good to, to bad? Like if you left your beach towel out, we used to do that all the time. Um, we had a pool and we'd leave our beach towels outside. What happens when your beach towel is like outside for a week in the sun? It changes it, colors. Yeah, it changes colors, it fades, it re- gets weaker, right? Instead of being like strong and like soft, it's like brittle and like a, if you leave it out for too long, it can like tear really easily and it gets old and fades. right? That's kind of how everything sort of works, right? There's a time for it to be good and then it, it disintegrates and gets old and, and dies and, and dissolves, right? Everything's kind of that way, right? Well, what if that was reversed? What if instead of putting your beach style out and it getting, you know, crusty and, and like hard and, and, and brittle, it got softer and stronger, right? That would be weird, right? And it would only get better and better. It wouldn't get worse and worse, That's the reversal of what's going to happen when Jesus comes back. This new world we're going to live in is not just, you know, puffy clouds and, and, you know, baby angels. That's not the point. Go on what he says. He says, um, what's sown in dishonor is raised in glory, right? We're a certain way now. We're going to be more glorious, more beautiful, stronger. What's sown in weakness, our bodies are weak now, will be raised in power. What is sown in natural body will be raised in spiritual body. there's a natural body and there's also a spiritual body you're thinking oh that's it right spiritual right? like a a ghost Casper friendly ghost right Ooh. if I asked you hey um, is your leader like a a really spiritual person you'd be like yeah they're a spiritual person say have you ever you ever put your hand on their shoulder are they holographic right oh you got me right oh they're spiritual you meant oh you meant you didn't mean like see through you meant like Like, oh, righteous and good and knows about God, right? Our new bodies are not going to be sinful. Like, you know how right now, um, the reason not sinning is hard is because you want, like, deep down you want to sin. You have temptations like, oh, like, I just feel like I want to do that, right? Your feelings in this new body, in this new world will be perfect. You'll want to do the right thing. You won't ever want to do anything that's wrong. You'll want to do everything that's good and right. So therefore, you'll do the things you want because the things that you want are good things. That's really different. Basically, our new bodies are gonna be real. They're gonna be like Christ. And if you remember what Jesus' body was when he was risen from the dead, what did it look like? Right? It looked like him. His disciples weren't like, whoa, who are you? Right? His disciples recognized him, looked like him, right, but a little bit different. Right? Did he eat food? Yeah, he did. He ate food. Right? He had them say, hey, he touched my hands, touch my feet. He knew, like, like they, they touched his hand, they touched his feet. He's physical. He wasn't like a spirit weird, like, "Ooh, That's not what he was like at all. Right? And if your idea of heaven is that in this next life, in eternity, you're just going to be like a spirit floating around like a ghost, right? That's wrong. That's not what you're going to be like. You are going to be spirit and body together in a perfect world. And when you think of heaven, you might think of clouds. You might think of those things. Well, Stop thinking that. That's not what heaven's going to be like. It's right? not what the new heavens and the new earth. Right? Think about it. The new earth. Jesus is going to make a new earth and a new world and a new galaxy that you'll live in. Where there'll be real rocks, real water, real trees, real animals. Right? That's going to be like that. I can't tell you all the specifics of every detail of it, but the Bible describes it as a real place where you're going to have real relationships with real people and it will be perfect. Right? The reason we spent so much time on that this morning is because I want you to be thinking through that often. Not just now, but I want you to think through that tonight. Right? When you get a sore throat, when you get sick, when you break a bone, right? Realize your body right now, there's a theological statement in all of that. Your body is broken, your body is dishonorable, and one day, it'll be perfect. If you drop down to verse 50, check out verse 50. We're in 1 Corinthians 15:50. It says, I tell you, brothers... Flesh and blood, that's what we are right now. You're made of flesh and you're made of blood, right? Cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable, right? You wouldn't like heaven very much if you lived in your body right now. Why? You'd have like only a little bit of time, right? Because you would end up dying in your body. It says, behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we all shall be changed. And in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet, right? All this change is gonna happen in a moment, right? I know this is funny, Maybe you didn't realize this, but I've been talking about your body changing to a bunch of people whose bodies are changing, right? Joel thought that was funny. He's like, I'm done with that. Um, right. Might be a weird question, but why do you hate puberty so much? Right? Because it takes a long time, Right? If you went from I'm 11 to I'm 20 in a millisecond, would you take that? Like, let's just skip all the, the chan- transitions and the change. Like, no, I just want to go from, you know, kid to adult. In a minute, you'd be like, uh-huh, yes, please, please. Yeah. All the pimples go away. Like, it's, all, it's over, right? You gotta, you'd say yes, right? That's why you don't like it, right? I know it's weird, but I want you to realize how good this is going to be. Right? Your body changing is not a bad thing or an uncomfortable thing. It's going to be a perfect thing because it's going to happen all at once. You live in a perfect place. Some people take this too far, and what they'll say is, well, then, I guess it doesn't matter what we do with our bodies now, right? And there were people in that church, in Corinth, who said that. They said, I guess it doesn't matter what we do with our bodies, because our bodies are evil and our spirits are good, so therefore, it doesn't matter what I do, right? Earlier in the book, 1 Corinthians 6.20, says you were bought with a price, therefore, honor Christ in your body, right? If you think, well, hold on a minute, I'm gonna have a new body, which means I guess it doesn't matter what I do with my body now, right? That's not true either, right? That's why things like self-harm and suicide and, and cutting, those are things that are all wrong, right? Because your body, if you're a Christian, it's not yours. It's not yours, it doesn't belong to you. You're just renting it, you're just using it. It's like if you took my car and you started slashing it and you crashed my car on purpose. Like, would be like, well, dude, it's my car. Why are you doing that to my car? It's the same thing, when we hurt ourselves, you're doing that to to Christ's body, he bought your body. You don't you don't own it, right? That's why you can't just do whatever you want. That context is even talking about the things you use your body to do, not just hurting your body, but if I'm gonna go to this place and I'm gonna be with these people, he says, hold on, just wait a minute, you belong to God, completely. Your body and your spirit, you belong to God. But it is really gonna be great when we live in this new body. He goes on, 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty four, he says, When the perishable puts on the imperishable, the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O oh, death, where is your victory? O oh, death, where is your sting? For the sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us victory through Jesus Christ, our Lord. He says, it's awesome that we're going to have a new body. And then what do you think he goes on to say? The very next thing is exactly what Paul does in Philippians four. He says, therefore, that important word, therefore, because we're going to have new bodies and live in a perfect world, my beloved brothers, be steadfast and immovable. And that sounds a lot like the phrase stand firm. Same idea that because you trust so much that this next life is going to be great and perfect, right? You are going to live righteously now. You're going to live a Righteous, holy life. Be steadfast, and immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. That's what Paul says in Philippians. To stand firm thus in the Lord. Keep doing the right thing. If all that's true, I want you to write this down for point number three. Act like a citizen of Christ's kingdom today. Act like a citizen of Christ's kingdom today. Stand firm. If all that's true, which it is, stand firm. Don't change your mind. Don't say, oh, well, I'm going to do this for a little bit. It's a phase. You know, Maybe I'll, I'll, I'll do this in junior high, but like not when I get to high school. Then I'll, I'll, then I'll be my own boss again. No, that's not how it works. Act like a citizen of his kingdom today. 2 Peter 3. Peter says something very similar. 2 Peter 3.10 says, but the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved. Right? And the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. So, same idea. Like Jesus is going to come back, and, and He's going to totally change stuff. Right? You ever um, make s'mores, and you use the metal skewers? Right? What do you do after you put the marshmallow on and you roast the marshmallow and all that? You take the marshmallow off. What's left on the skewer? Right? All the marshmallow stuff. What do you do to get that off? Right? You put it back in the fire. Right? You put it back in the fire. You take it out and you kind of, you know, knock it off because it all kind of comes off. What he's saying right here is Jesus is going to come. Take this earth, like burn it, right? Which sounds weird, but it's not like a burn, like, oh, you know, discard it completely. He's going to like burn it just like you'll burn the skewer, right? So you can clean it off and start over. That's the idea. Jesus is going to come. He's going to destroy this world so that he can remake it. Verse 11 says, since all these things are thus to be dissolved, if our whole world and our popularity and our stuff is all going to go away, what sort of people should we be in lives of holiness and godliness? That's what we should be like, holy and godly, citizens of Christ's kingdom. If you were a, a Roman citizen in Philippi and you would never been to Rome, you would still have to follow the Roman rules, right? Because your passport says Rome, right? I know they didn't have passports like that, but... You belong to that kingdom even though you've never been there, which means the rules of that kingdom apply to you now, right? Same thing, That's why it matters whether or not Christians really obey God, right? Because you might say, well, hold on, hold on, wait a minute. If I'm saved, like, why do I have to do anything that's good? It's because you're a citizen of his kingdom because he's your king and his rules apply to you because he's your king, right? If you say that Jesus Christ is the Lord and my Lord, what does that mean? That means that his rules apply to you. You've got to do it. You've got to obey. Citizens of Christ's kingdom will not fit in in, in this world. It's just not going to work. Right? It's just like, remember those puzzle pieces? right? They just don't fit together. Right? Same idea. If you're a citizen of Christ's kingdom, the world's going to be like, that's weird. Why do you do that? And why do you have to listen to your parents? Like, can't. I mean, don't your parents want you to be happy? Why don't you just kind of do what makes you happy? And other things like that, I know that's just one example, but there's plenty of things that the world will say that it's like, dude, that's not what God's word says. Jesus said in John 15, he said, if the world hates you, know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own, right? You ever get frustrated that like, you feel like you're being a nice student, you're being kind to people, yet at the same time, the world just still treats you like trash and you don't fit in? It's like, why is that? Right? Jesus says, the world would have loved you as its own if you, if you acted like them and lived by their values, but because you're not of the world and I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Don't be caught up on the world loving you. Don't be caught up on that. I know that's hard. No, it's like, well, I want people at school to think I'm nice. I want people at school to like me. That's great, and, and I hope they do. But ultimately, if you're called not nice or you're called unloving, because you're acting like a citizen of Christ's kingdom that's okay because that's what matters most because you're going to live in eternity forever you're going to be in that kingdom forever like I told you if I invested all my time and stuff and making my office really cool right now that would kind of be a waste of money because I'm going to have to get rid of it anyway right? but if I invest in stuff that is going to go in my office that's my next new office You say, that's a good investment that's smart all I'm saying to you is I want you to do the same thing I want you to invest in this next life Storing up treasures in heaven by doing what God wants you to do. By investing in those relationships that are going to last forever. I'm going to pray. Nathan's going to come up. We're going to do one more song before we head out. Let's pray.